I love Christmas. <laughs> I love everything about it. Uh, the snow, the lights. <gasps> I'm sorry. Um, but most of all, I love the reason for the season. That's why this year, as a Christian, I got so tired of hearing that disrespectful phrase. You know the one. Happy Holidays. Every time somebody would say it to me, I would give them a good old Merry Christmas right in their face. <laughs> Booyah for the Messiah! <gasps> Stop getting riled up. You're gonna hurt yourself. Mom! I'm trying to talk here! Whatever. I'm calling Dr. Goldstein. <sighs> Sorry. I had to move back in with my mother after all this. Tell the truth, sweetie. Fine. Fine. I've always lived with my mother. Against my better judgment. Mom! Mom! Can I just tell my story? So recently, I went to the supermarket to pick up some eggnog. As I walked in, the guy standing next to the grocery carts throws a big, Happy Holidays, mister, right in my face like it's no big deal. But guess what? What, honey? It was a rhetorical question, Mom. I am building the drama of the story. Always so dramatic. What? Oh, oh, I'm the dramatic one? Oh, really? Anyway, the kid, this Happy Holidays punk, just got me riled up. So I grab the nog and I go to pay. The clerk rings me up and what does she say? Happy Holidays. I was enraged. I was in a blind fury. I jump up on the counter, I grab the microphone, and I yell into it. It's not a holiday, people! It's Christmas! I'm mad as heck, and I'm not gonna take it anymore! <gasps> Unfortunately, my foot slipped, triggering the conveyor belt. Now, bread and milk doesn't seem to be moving too fast, but a 175-pound man flies off that belt. And fly I did. Not like a majestic eagle or a superman. I flew like a partridge falling out of a pear tree. I flew into a display of Chia Pet nativity sets. Thus, my current condition. And then something funny happened. A gift arrived for me. Mom, a little help, please? No, not that one. No, 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 no. no to, to your left. Your left! No, the one that arrived! That's the one. Thank, thank you. You watch your tone with me, mister. Mom? It was from Elizabeth, the girl whose checkout stand I'd commandeered. She'd given me a gift. At first, it didn't make sense. I, I didn't deserve anything good from her. Not, not, not the way I acted. I, I acted like a maniac. But then I, I got to thinking. I had been bound up in religion. And I didn't want to be bound up anymore. Religion is, is always having to be right. 
grace. That's, that's being right with others, being right with God. So, so this gift, I, I don't know what's in it. It could be more eggnog. It could be a, a Chia Pet nativity set. Doesn't matter. The real gift is better than either of those things. Oh, you two are destined for wedlock! Mom! Why did you do that? Why do you always go there? We're not going to get married! It's a match made I don't even know her! But you said she was... It doesn't matter if I said she was cute! If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. When Ebenezer Scrooge said that in A Christmas Carol, he set a precedent that too many people carry through, the precedent of anger at Christmas time. You shake your fist at the traditions that you don't agree with. Maybe you remember George Costanza's dad on Seinfeld who celebrated an obscure holiday on December 23rd, Festivus. You remember that? Go ahead to the, uh, the next one there. There he is. Happy Festivus. Uh, it's a Festivus for the rest of us, he said. In addition to a bare metal pole instead of a Christmas tree, Festivus includes, quote, the airing of grievances of which people usually have many, especially around the holidays. Lewis, in that video we just watched, had quite a grievance, and he aired it. Uh, righteous indignation, you might say, over saying Merry Christmas or not saying Merry Christmas. Some might say that Lewis got what he deserved, a, a ride on a conveyor belt and some apparently very painful injuries as a result of his seriously rude and obnoxious uh, response to the people at the store. Others might say that Lewis got what he did not deserve, a Christmas gift from one of the people that he had offended in the store that day. Regardless, Lewis entered the store with pride and he exited with more humility than he probably realized that he needed. And in his humbled condition, Lewis became a candidate to receive one of the gifts of Christmas, grace. We, uh, we are walking through this Advent season uh, looking at the gifts of Christmas. Uh, there will be many gifts under your tree, no doubt. Uh, but in Scripture, there are, there are also many gifts spiritually that we receive. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about grace. Grace is when we don't get, uh, or when we get what we don't deserve, or when we don't get something we do deserve. If you're, if you were speeding, and you know you were speeding, and you absolutely deserved a ticket, and that yet the officer says, I'm going to let you off with a warning today, that's grace. Uh, if you're in line at the coffee shop, and you're getting impatient, and you're sighing a lot, you know, maybe it's just me, but... And then you finally get to the counter and, uh, and, and you start to order and the barista says, that guy who was in front of you receiving all of your sighing, that guy that was in front of you paid for your coffee. To, that's, that's grace. If you forgot about that class project until the last minute so you knew uh, what you handed in really wasn't your best work, uh, but at least you got something in and then the teacher pulls you aside and gives you two more days to make some edits and some adjustments, that's grace. 
when you're, uh, when you're a real jerk and your wife forgives you, or when your boss overlooks that you were a few minutes late again, or, or someone lets you into that long line of merging traffic on the highway, it's, it's all grace. Grace has been defined as unmerited favor. In other words, something good that I haven't earned, and yet I've, I'm, I'm able to receive this in my life. It's, it's an awesome thing to receive, and yet I think that you'd agree that it seems like it's more difficult to give grace. I, I think Lewis, in that video, got a little confused, a lot like a lot of us do, I think. We think that, that following Jesus is a lot more about doing the right things, acting certain ways, being righteous. And, and it is. We, 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 need to be, uh, we, we need to be doing the right things. And, and yet it's even more about our relationship with Jesus. Somewhere along the way, Lewis started thinking that being righteous was all about being right. And through his crazy outburst in that store, he came to realize maybe what we all need to realize today. And that is that being righteous is less about being right and more about being right with God and each other. Lewis and those, who, those others who may find themselves in the happy holidays versus merry Christmas verbal war may be trying to love God by somehow defending Christmas. And we think we're doing something spiritual by doing that. But I think in our defense and our desire to be right, we start thinking that we need to make sure the people around us act right by our definitions of what is right. And, and maybe we think that if we can just get them to act right, then that's our spiritual duty and that's, that's how we're going to love them. For Lewis, it was, it was living out his God-ordained calling to make sure that Merry Christmas is, is proclaimed loudly from the checkout counter. But, but, but that's, that's not loving people to life. Uh, in fact, it almost resulted in Lewis's death, I think. Uh, the, this, that whole Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays thing, it, it may, might not be your sticking point today. I'm guessing it's not. Uh, but, but, but we all seem to have those causes that we champion, I think, in the name of Christianity, in the name of righteousness, and it, it comes across less, like less than love and more like correction uh, with an overtone of superiority. Jesus said that, that people will know that we are disciples of his by the way we love not by how well we prove we're right. Again, grace is less about being right and more about being right with God and right with each other. Religion and the law are about being right, uh, but, but who really wants religion for Christmas? Uh, most of the time, religion boils down to rules and regulations, but without the relationship. And that, that seems like something pretty, pretty distant from love and grace. It doesn't sound at all like what Jesus offers to us at Christmas. John 3.16, I, I saw it during the game last night, right there, kicking the field goal. John 3.16, right? For God so loved, most famous verse in the world, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, John 15. And, and when he was asked about the greatest commandment, the, the most important things to, to follow, what, what is our religious duty? The guy asked him, and Jesus said, it's about love. It's not really about duty. I love God with all you've got and love the people around you. That'll do it. If you do that, all your duty and more will be fulfilled. Righteousness, right relationships with God, right relationships with each other. 
So as we consider the arrival of Christmas uh, this season, we have to remember that it's all rooted in, in love and in relationship. Righteous performance without a, re- without a right relationship with God is just empty and it amounts to nothing. It's, it's off-putting. It doesn't please God. If we love God but we miss loving our neighbor, then we've missed the whole point again. If, if we're living in a wonderful, life-giving, grace-filled relationship with God, it should always be affecting our relationships with the people in our lives. We live to love people to life. And, and, and just so you know, that probably doesn't look like starting a fight in a grocery store. Um, our friend Lewis was full of pride and full of anger, full of judgment, full of exasperation, full of himself. Nobody enjoys being around people who are full of those things. But think about how different it is when you're around people who are full of grace, right? Right? Completely different. Uh, you might be thinking, okay, pastor, this is over the top. That video is kind of stupid. And uh, that cast probably wasn't real anyway, right? Uh, come on. This was, uh, that was just, and nobody really argues that much over. And got it, right. They're overstating the point, right? But I think, I don't know, maybe it's just me. But I think that we all have these things that we get a little judgy over. And maybe we don't even intend to. Maybe it's just things that, that uh, you immediately, I mean, you look at somebody or you look at what they're doing and, and uh, man, it's just all of a sudden, it's just, uh, I don't know why. Back in the day, the, the church uh, took a stand against a lot of stuff, right? And, and we still, you know, would, would say that there are things that are wrong and there's sin and we need to talk about that and we need to, to deal with those things. But, but uh, you know, the church was, was always known as, you know, I, I don't drink or smoke or chew or go with girls that do, right? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm against all these things. For years, Christians were the ones who were known for what they didn't do and, and what they judged in everyone else. I don't just remember this guy, girl, guy, Remember the church lady from way back when? Saturday Night Live? I'm probably, see, now I know who the sinners are because you know who that is, right? We gotcha. No. She'd get all judgy, right? And, uh, and not all of it was, uh, well, most of it probably wasn't appropriate to watch. But, but she'd get all, get all judgy and then, uh, oh, I know, you know, who made you do that? Wasn't it? Satan, right? And she'd get all in the, up, up in their face and, and, and judge them. And, and, you know, they say that comedy is exaggeration. And, and, and it is. It's overstated, but there's always some truth, some nugget of truth in there. The reason the church lady was such a hit was because there really were people who acted that way. I'm glad nobody does that anymore. I'm thinking we all have certain things that we look down our, our noses at in people's lives. I'm not saying that those things aren't wrong or sinful. They probably are. But, but why would we expect people who aren't following Jesus to act like they are following Jesus, right? It's, let's, let's major on the majors and let God deal with their heart. In John 3, right after the, the, the most famous verse, verse in the Bible, uh, we put up John 3.16 behind the goalposts. Go Bucks. But um, John 3.17 is pretty important too. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Then Jesus, then it goes on in verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I don't know, we, I don't know, I, I tend to overlook that sometimes. Jesus didn't come to condemn people. 
I don't know if that's a new concept for you. Maybe that's exactly what you thought Jesus came to do. Maybe that's how the church has made you feel in the past. Maybe that's how church people have made you feel. That's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus knew that if people were living in sin, they were already condemned. They didn't need to be judged. They needed to be saved. So he came and extended grace. Grace. Ephesians 2. Um, I know, we right before we left, we spent all summer in Ephesians. Here I am back again. It's almost as bad as David Applegate going to Romans every day, right? Oh, just can't. Can't get away from it. You know what? I can't get away from the... The message of grace. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Now, you could take that and go, well, Jesus is just light on sin. He doesn't care about it. No, Jesus isn't light. Jesus hates sin. Uh, he sees how it messes up people's lives, how it separates uh, us from God. Sin is a huge deal. That's why love and grace mean so much, right? That, it, it's hard because grace isn't cheap. I want us to think today on this second Sunday of Advent, think about what it means when, when it says it is by grace you have been saved. What did that grace cost? What, what did it mean for Jesus to offer that gift of grace? It's not just, oh yeah, that's a no big deal. It, it was, it, it's a huge deal. What did that look like? Jesus, the son of God, not limited in any way, not limited by time or space, all-powerful, all-knowing, uh, in heaven, uh, a perfect relationship in, uh, in, with, with, with God and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, living together. Uh, Jesus, the Son of God, chose to limit himself. He stepped out of heaven into the womb of a teenage girl. The God of the universe now limited to a few multiplying cells within the confines of a human mother. Totally reliant on her for life and health and nutrition. Instead of knowing everything, limited to knowing virtually nothing. And after what was no doubt a bumpy, exhausting trip to Bethlehem and a cold, dirty, and painful birthing process, Jesus took his first breaths of earth's dry, stale air and began his life within the confines of time and space, identifying with humanity, with you and me, identifying in every aspect of life in this world, completely dependent still on his earthly parents for, for safety and, and sustenance. He cried, he burped. Can we say that? Jesus burped? The God burped? He slept, he ate. I, I mean, we might just well just go all the way. I mean, the God of the universe had dirty diapers, all right? This happened, right? Uh, he, he identified with us in every, the, the, uh, limited himself. Grace, <sighs> grace is not cheap. Of course, Jesus grew up and he lived a life in perfect relationship with his heavenly father and with his family and with, with those around them. And, and, and he dealt with the highs and the lows of daily life just like we do. I, I'm sure that he stubbed his toe at some point. He hit his thumb with a hammer. I'm sure that he had toothaches and stomach aches, and heartaches. Joseph, his earthly father, died. We don't know the story. We just know that he was there at the beginning. But by the time Jesus is, is in ministry, there's no Joseph's gone. And so we think about Sundays like this when we hang a bulb on the tree and we remember those who are... And Jesus had that exact same grief that he walked through. His father 
lost him at some point along the way. Grace isn't cheap. And of course, we, we, we know about his ministry. It's described so eloquently in the, in the Gospels there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and the, uh, the, the joys of ministry and relationships and the frustrations of being misunderstood and, and the pains of betrayal. And then, of course, death on a cross. The eternal God submitted himself to excruciating pain all so he could provide a path for you and me back to a relationship with him. That's grace. <laughs> and it's... It's a big deal, and it was hard, and it's not cheap. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us, sinful us, alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. When you hear that word uh, of, of God's grace, I hope that you'll dwell on what it took and that you'll think about the extent of what that means. Uh, you know from trying to extend grace to other people that it's hard. It's, it's easy to receive and it's kind of hard to give. Jesus went through all of that starting at the first Christmas because, he, because of his love and grace for us. He had every right to come and pronounce judgment and condemnation. We were dead in our transgressions and sins, but because he loved us, because of his grace, he didn't come to judge, he came to save. Grace. Accept the gift of grace. And then be a person of grace. Because here's the thing, grace is a gift. And when we receive grace, we give grace. And I wonder if we if we're not characterized by giving grace, have we really received God's grace? A person who is full of grace has not only received a gift, but becomes a gift to those around them. I don't know, would you describe uh, yourself as, uh, or would other people describe you as a gift in your relationship with them? Becoming a follower of Jesus is, is all about receiving that gift of grace. Uh, back, back to the guy in the video, Lewis, right? I, I think somewhere in his past, it, it appears that he received the gift of God's grace into his life, but somehow the grace that he received in the past got mixed up with religion and the need to be right. And at one point there, uh, he said in the video, all this time I've been bound up by religion. I don't want to be bound up anymore. I think, I think maybe his body cast is a metaphor of how his spiritual life had been. Religious determination, the need to be right all the time, uh, can wear you out. It causes a person to get bitter and angry and full of pride. And, and, and that's part of what, what, what Paul's talking about there in Ephesians. Uh, a person cannot earn the saving grace of God by being good enough or working hard enough. If we could, we could we'd just get full of pride because of our accomplishments. Look how great I was that I earned God's grace. But God is not into loud, proud, and arrogant people. He wants to get into our proud hearts to empty out the selfishness and pride and then to fill us back up with grace. Usually that happens through moments of humility that are brought about by painful scenes in our lives. James 4, 6 says, uh, he, gives more, he gives greater grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When we get all judgy, uh, we're, we're full of pride and full of ourselves 
God wants to empty that out. Uh, James there in, in, uh, in 4.6 um, is actually quoting a proverb that the folks reading that would have known uh, from, clear back from Proverbs chapter 3 verse, uh, verse 34. It had been around down through generations uh, uh, for hundreds of years. Uh, Proverbs 3.34 says, Toward the scorners God is scornful, but to the humble he gives grace. There's a funny thing about humility. Not only is it the prerequisite to receive grace, but it's also a characteristic of people who give grace. Instead of, of Christians being known for what we're against, what if we were known for our grace, our love? Like Jesus, uh, I believe that we're not here. Our, our mission is not to condemn, but to love and to serve. I mean, sin is such an awful way to live and it never ends well. Uh, it brings its own condemnation. What if we showed people that there's a better way, a way of life, a way of grace? Are you, are you living that way? Are you loving people to life or are you condemning them to death? A person who is full of grace has not only received a gift, but becomes a gift to those around them. So what does, what does that, that, that gift of grace look like in our lives? How can we live as a gift to those around us uh, during this Advent season and really all year long? Well, for one thing, I, I think we don't make a big deal about the Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays thing, all right? Can we, can we maybe, maybe get on that same page? But I guess... I guess when I think about someone who is full of grace and I think about the characteristics of, of someone who is, uh, who is living a grace-filled life, I think about someone who is loving, someone who's kind, someone who is uh, 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 patient and good and promotes peace. Grace-filled people are, are gentle and disciplined. People who are faithful and full of joy. Funny thing, all of those characteristics are described in Galatians chapter 5 as the fruit of the Spirit. So I think, I think I'm right to say that the only way to be full of grace is to be full of the Holy Spirit. We can be nice and, and be kind and, and do those sorts of things, but really the only way to be grace-filled people is to be Spirit-filled people. In order to give grace, you have to receive grace. And, and when we truly receive God's grace in our life, not religion or, or a spirit of judgment and condemnation needing to be right all the time, but when we truly receive God's grace, uh, he promises his spirit to live within us so that we can become people of grace. That's my prayer for us today, tomorrow next week when it's really hard when somebody really does you wrong when life really does you wrong allow his spirit to shine through our worship team is going to come back up and and sing one uh, final song and, and i want us to uh to have a chance to respond to the gift of grace and and as they're coming i want to tell you a story that i i read a a few weeks back um 
this this author was was telling about a uh, a large uh, his his family gathering they gathered around for for the the holidays and and um and and the meal was finally ready you know and all the smells and all the all the stuff and everybody's gathered around and and so they they you know the the call was made and everybody uh gathered around the dining room table this big huge table and everybody stood behind their chairs and and they're ready and and the table's just piled high i mean it it uh, uh you know danger of of collapsing with all the all the everybody's favorites you got all this the stuff for an awesome feast so then with everyone's mouths watering uh, the the author said that the hostess uh, made the mistake of calling on uncle john to pray everybody in the family knew that uncle john couldn't pray without talking about the cross and crying and if there's one thing that makes people nervous it's listening to a grown man cry he said He went on and said, sure enough, Uncle John prayed, talked about the cross, and cried. Meanwhile, the rest of us shifted nervously from one foot to the other and longed for the prayer to end. Then he made this observation in the last line. The author said this, all of us knew Jesus died on the cross for us, but Uncle John had never gotten over it. Have you gotten over it? I hope not. I I think people of grace are the people who have never gotten over Jesus and his gift of grace for them. 